Money, a podcast network that understands the assignment. The Alive Podcast Network has launched the world's first content distribution app tailored by and for podcasters and listeners of color. Subscribers will enjoy a wide variety of shows ranging from spiritual to comedic to inspirational. Podcasters can house their content and merch in one spot and monetize from a central location. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com coming soon to iOS and Android. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. You can thank me later. This is my luxury. And, uh, you know, my luxury is I make picayune. I make so little. And so my luxury is I only make what I love. Welcome to the Swirl Suite, everybody. Our special guest today is Claire Ducro-Weinkauf. I don't say it as eloquently as she does. You'll hear that later. But she has a fantastic story. She's a French native. When she discovered she could have a career in wine, she decided to go the marketing route. So she was fantastic at marketing. She was hired by many wineries. And then they discovered her palate. They discovered that she had a really strong nose for wine and she could detect the good and the bad. So, I mean, it made sense that she would go into winemaking. So this is the story of Picayun French for a little bit. Enjoy, guys. Cheers. Welcome to the Swirl Suite, everybody. Hey, Glennis, Tanisha. How y'all doing? Hey. Hey. We, we living. Uh, yeah, I Making hear you. Glennis, how was your vacation? Well, it's always Glennis vacation. took a vacation? What? Tell us more. Shut up, Tanisha. Um, you always need a, a vacation from the vacation. Had a ball, as usual. So... Yeah, but you know, girl, what seven star resort did you go to? I know where did you? You were in Jamaica, right? Yeah, yeah, I was in Jamaica. No, I wasn't at a seven star resort. I when I go to Jamaica, I stay at a um small boutique mm-hmm. um resort. It's called Coco La Palm. Um, okay. I highly That's recommend. Like, I was at the Twelve Seasons. <laughs> <laughs> um, I highly recommended um some of the best beachfront property on Seven Mile Beach. And um, so it, not Southern hospitality, but just great hospitality. It's like uh, family. When I come back, they welcome me. Like so, um, food is great. Beach time is great. Activities is great. So it's my wusa before the holidays kick in. Amen. I wish I had that. That's awesome. so. How long were you there? Um, I always go around Halloween because they have a big Halloween um, fest activities. Um, so I was there from Tuesday to Tuesday. Oh, nice. Leslie, hey, girl. How are you? I am good. Did you hear um, by Frostburg University, like Western, Western Maryland? They got snow today. Wow. Ooh, slow yeah, down. It's slow that down. cold. Yeah, yeah, slow down. You know, it's like. Fall, winter was like, get out the way, Paul. I saw that it snowed a little bit in New York too already. It's yeah, the temperature wow. really dropped. But then they were saying, um, this is probably going to be a warm winter. I did see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did see that. Well, it don't feel too warm right now, but okay. Tanisha, how was Italy? Italy was good. Um, it was just a few days. But it was a fun time. This time, I've been to that city before, but never got to walk around it. It was Verona. I was in Verona, Italy. Um, I was about to say a couple weeks ago. No, it was literally last week. Wow. Okay. Um, and uh, 
I went for a conference. And when I went there before, I just went to the conference and didn't see the city. But this time I got to walk around the city and, you know, see what it was like and all that. Verona's super cute, very Italian. Um, I ate a bunch of pasta. There was lots of Prosecco in, um, involved. Uh, no tiramisu. So I am upset with myself for that because I filled up yeah. on pasta. So by the time it was tiramisu time, I was stuffed. So I couldn't do it. Um, so that's all on me, my bad. Um, but it was, it was a good time. I had fun. I liked it. I, they have this little um, uh, I'm about exhibit. It's not an exhibit, but like a little fake house of Romeo and Juliet. Because I mean, clearly that's not a real story. But they have this balcony supposedly where Juliet um, stood. And then they have um, a statue of Juliet. And so my the picture on my Instagram is me touching the... the the legend says if you touch her right breast, you're supposed to have like luck in love. So I'm like, well, who couldn't, you know, not use a little luck? So like, let's grab this thing. So, you know, we rubbed you on out it. There, you out there, you're like squeezing breasts, Tanisha. What is going on with you? Girl, and I had to wait in line. Like it was a crowd, okay? <laughs> like if you've ever been to Trevi Fountain and seen that crowd in Rome, it was like this for Juliet. And I was like, y'all wow. weird out here, but okay, let me stand in line. <laughs> Somebody take my picture. I'm going in. It Listen, sounds it, a little Jewish. I just want oh, to say. Oh, Listen, Juliet has a case. Okay, she has a case. <laughs> Listen, and, if um, you get married next charged. year, you'll know why. Exactly. Listen, remember be... this. We will play this back in remembrance. Long as you yes. don't make it a habit. Yeah, because we'll be what, at the wedding in Paris. Random brass statue. <laughs> Breast. Okay, I'm gonna try not to I'm gonna keep my hands to myself. Did you do that for your birthday, Tanisha? Yes, it actually did happen to be my. Well, it was the, the I touched her the day before my birthday, but I was in Verona for my birthday. Yes. Oh, nice. So I figured, nice. why not? Let's go in. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. What was the conference that you went to? Wine to Wine Business Forum, and it was about wine communications this year. So I was like, well, that's pertinent. Let me go ahead and. Um, be a part of that. So yeah, it was good. Anything they we talked, should know. They talked podcasting. Um, they had someone from YouTube, TikTok. Uh, they talked about the state of American media, and mm. then as it relates to wine, wine communication in the future, um, pitching, working with publicists, that kind of thing. So it was really good. So I'm going to assume they communicated in English, correct? Oh, for sure. <laughs> then there were some there were some that were pure, you know, pure Italian that were in <laughs> Italian, but then they had headsets for that. So I'm used to the translation. Translate. So oh. I grabbed the little headset and put that on and then just listen. So, yeah. so did they say anything about the Twitters? Like... Will Twitter be around? Is that still? No, the they didn't say anything about that, but they largely use Twitter. So, I mean, they, okay. they would be devastated if Twitter went away because this is a very big, like, this is the wine Twitter crowd. Oh, so, really? Okay. If Twitter went away, they wouldn't know how to talk to each other. So, it would be kind of devastating. But so, Leslie asked if it went away, did they talk about if it becomes pay to play? Um, they didn't talk about that because it was just starting to happen then. 
Like this okay. is something that we're, mm-hmm. you know, seeing kind of like in real time. So it was nothing that we could be like, oh yeah, let's get up here and talk, talk about it, like formally. It was just, gotcha. you know, side conversations in between okay. glasses of Prosecco. I love a wine conference because they will have a table out with just wine sitting on it and just, you know, you, <laughs> you can have some or you cannot have some. It's up to you. Those are great. Get you a go to a wine conference if you haven't been. This is for professionals only, though. So if you're not a professional, well, never mind. Huh. Uh, One more question before we bring our special guest. Did everybody go see Wakanda forever? Of course. Of course. Nah, I'm going this weekend. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, I might go see it. I have to give myself some time to, because that's a social activity. So I need to give myself time to go. Oh do something social and not work so yeah but i want to see it and everybody's talking about it and it is playing here so there's that oh great leslie where are you going to see that i think in northern virginia oh okay like like um you know in alexandria they have Mm -hmm. uh, um hoffman draft house yeah over there do you have some recommendations or you know a good place probably would go is in bethesda to the optic i'm going friday again I saw it last week at the draft house, though new, the new one on Rhode Island Avenue. Yeah, it was a good time. The Alamo, right? Is it Alamo? The Alamo, Alamo. uh huh. Yeah. Hey, that's really a nice, a really nice. Um, yeah. yeah. It sounds fancy. Yeah. Well, they, um, you know, you can order food and they bring it right to your chair and. Yeah. What you What you mean? You didn't you didn't put it in the big purse? Oh, <laughs> I did take Wander and Ivy. Okay, I did take a bottle of Wander and Ivy because it fit in my purse, and um, I but I ordered a pretzel. So, so were those those extra bottles and stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh my goodness! (laughs) Gotta love me. Gotta love me. All right. Well, let's introduce our special guest. We have Claire. Let me see if I can say your name correctly. Claire de Croc Weinkoff. Wait, it's Weinkoff. Did I say it right? No, uh, are you so you say your name so I can say it right. All right, Claire Ducro-Wangelf. Ah, okay. You make that sound so easy. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what she said. Wait, wait yep. until I speak a little more English and then, and then <laughs> you'll realize your advantage on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Claire, welcome to the Swell Suite. Please introduce yourself to everybody and tell them what you do. Yes, Hi. So my name is Claire um, Ducro-Wankyoff, and I, um, I'm the owner and the winemaker for Picayune Cellars, uh, which is a small project uh, based in Calistoga in the Napa Valley. And I'm pleased to join your fun group. You crack me up, ladies. <laughs> um, Welcome, Claire. Thank Welcome. you. I'm going to stick with Claire. that's probably best good idea (laughs) so claire you have a beautiful french accent tell us about how how you grew up in in france and how you got to america yes um so i'm originally from uh the center part of france uh it's called the region is called auvergne which is not as well known as many other areas of France. Uh, it's pretty rural and agricultural. Um, it's literally four hours south on the straight line from Paris. Um, 
I um, literally grew up on uh, uh, just next to a farm. So it was pretty remote. Um, and um, I, uh, interestingly enough, did not, uh, you know, grew up in uh, my family was not in the wine industry. Um, and I, um, let's see, how did I, I was always very interested to work with my nose. My family loved wines. Um, and I did say nobody was into wine. I have to admit my grandpa, my grandpa did an awful rosé from time to time, <laughs> but he would not bottle in real bottle, but in jerry can. <laughs> so, yep, that was an adventure. That was, you had to be brave to try it. Uh, but anyway, I, um, yeah, so to be uh, totally honest with you guys, uh, not being from, um, you know, a family that was in the wine industry, I never thought I could be. I mean, we are talking like, you know, 25 years ago when, uh, honestly, it was not super open as an industry, not, um, you know, like already for women, I think you had to be like, uh, you know, the daughter and not have any brother. <laughs> so yeah, if you were not at all in the wine industry, that was kind of a, a stretch. So I studied something else, uh, totally always kept my eye, you know, an eye on it. Um, and was, um, you know, would drink some wine, would learn more about wine. Um, and then it took me to fast forward, or we're going to be here for a while. <laughs> it took me to, it took me to go to South America, uh, literally it took me to go to Chile and there it was such a different story. You know, people were talking about wine and marketing and it was not that precious, very special, intimidating thing. You know, it was a little bit more open. And um, and so I start meeting all those people that are working in the wine industry. And I'm like, really? Like, do you own a vineyard? Your parents or your grandparents? I mean, how? Like, oh, no, I just go to school and then I get a job. I'm like, OK, that works. So I started, I started taking, <clears throat> I started taking classes and um, at the Universidad de Chile in Santiago, and I loved it. So when I went back to France, work harvest uh, in a couple places, and I, you know, it really kind of like um, reunited all the things that I really loved. You know, it was like I grew up in that agricultural, but I kind of didn't necessarily want to live forever there. And I just love that wine was um, you know, able to bridge so many gaps as far as like creating moments, emotion, um, you know, like uh, getting family together, have a good moment. I, there were just all those different dimensions that I was like, yay, I love this. <laughs> um, and so I went back to Chile and I started working for a winery there. And then fast forward, uh, met Paul Hobbs, um, who's um, an American uh, winemaker and consultant around the world. And, um, you know, down the road, he offered me a job to work for one of his, um, for his winery in Argentina. So crossed the Andes um, and uh, lived in Argentina and then offered me an opportunity to work in California. And I thought, why not? Um, so I, uh, yeah, so I came up north. And to be honest, I didn't thought I was going to stay very long because I really love South America. And then I met my husband. So the rest is the story. <laughs> so yeah, that's like a compacted, how did I um, started working in the wine industry and how did I arrive in the US? And I arrived in the US 16 years ago. 
So when you started working for wineries, what were you doing there? So um, I, my first job was in marketing and public relation. And so um, the luck that I've always had, and that's, you know, like uh, it's those things that change a lot is um, I was the only sort of like office person that had an office in the winery, not in the office. So my mm -hmm. office was next to the winemaker and the winemaker was French. Talk about luck. Oh. Right. Ah, okay. So, and I had just done my harvest, you know, in France. So I was pretty excited about that part of the business. Um, so I always kind of wanted to put my hands in there whenever they were tasting. I was like, hmm, can I, you know. Um, and then it turned out that big guy um was actually uh my nose was um pretty good at detecting um some few technical things that we are ongoing at the time in Chile and Argentina. And that kind of gave me a little bit of an edge uh, where, um, you know, the winemaker would invite me in the tasting to see if I could detect the problem or whatever. So that was cool. You know, that's how I started getting a little bit more, um, you know, experience in uh, in like the, the more blending and making uh, instead of like just the work in the winery. Um, and so um, I, yeah. I, then I moved to Argentina, did that. Um, so yeah, for the most part, I worked in, in marketing and business development until I started really Picayune. And you started your own consulting company. Um, what were your clients and what were you helping them with? Aha, look at your question. <laughs> so I started the, the consulting um, business in, when was that? Uh, 2010. And I, um, I basically, I'll tell you a little bit why, and then I'll branch on who. I, when I decided to um, move on, like Paul was just an amazing, you know, he's so important in my life as a mentor and as a teacher. And um, I learned so much. And then when I was ready to move on, um, I moved to uh, Long Meadow Ranch Winery and there were a little bit of glitch in my, in my paperwork in there. And so I had to stop working until I um, got all my paperwork figured out, um, you know, being a, not a citizen at the time. And so when I did that, a lot of small wineries, uh, that would be, you know, to name some like Steve Mathiasson, Steve um, kept telling me, Claire, why don't you consult? Why don't you help the little guys? We don't necessarily have a full-time job for, um, you know, you know, like we, we, we don't have enough work or we don't necessarily have the finance to have somebody like full on, but we do need the help. So why don't you help us a little bit? And so I thought, you know, I don't have anything to do right now. So I'll just start doing that. And I just started helping those guys and I loved it. I thought it was, um, I, so much, you know, I was getting so much more satisfaction because those guys, I knew if I didn't help them, they didn't necessarily know where to go and look and um you know like uh yeah so i i thought it was really cool so when my i regularized all my paperwork then my past employer was like hey um we are like we miss you can you come back and i said well actually you know i think i don't want to come back as an employee i think i want to start consulting and just helping you with whatever you need so i can help more people um and so that's how it started and so I started, you know, Steve was a client, um, Long Meadow was one of my clients. 
And then I never really did any advertising. People just talk. I've worked with a lot of people, you know, the the on on the the more you know longer term. I I worked a lot with um, a small winery called Darms Lane, um, an amazing family. I work with White Rock Vineyard, an amazing property, amazing family. Um, I've worked with Anomaly. I've worked with Morley. Um, I work with a lot of you know small project, and then up in Oregon, Calhoun Vineyard, a uh, little bit in Washington State with um, Amoris. I mean a little bit all over the place. And how did you transition or did you do both consult and make wine? Yes, I did do both. So um, you guys are gonna like, I can tell already you guys are gonna like how I started PKU because I can see the group of friends you are. <laughs> so I, before being anything else, I am a wine lover. And I, um, you know, wherever I've traveled or wherever I am, I love wine. I want to drink wine. So when I arrive in the U.S. Um, and in California, I, you know, started going to the store and looking for wine. And I was like, I was a little surprised by the price, you know, by by the price tag. And so I, um, you know, I started like, um just um, going to Trader Joe, like, you know, buying all the different wines and trying to find like, there's got to be one wine that is going to be good and that delivers, you know, that is, there's got to be a soft blanc that is not 40 bucks, that is, you know, but it's going to be good. <laughs> so anyway, I just started doing that and I was just so surprised. And so I would get together um, with a bunch of friends and, um, you know, we would bring wine and cheese and and we're just like, wow, this is just, you know, this is just expensive if you want to drink wines that, you, you know, I liked. And so um, when I started Picayune, to be fully honest, I had never the idea that I would be standing here 11 years later. Um, it was really kind of for fun. It was an opportunity. Um, and, you know, being surrounded by amazing winemaker and tasting wines all the time. I taste the wines um, at one point and the friend, I, I was like, wow, this is so good. Like, I, I love this. And um, the friend says, you know, uh, we're going to sell some. And I thought, oh, I'll buy a barrel and I'll invite all my girlfriend and we'll and bottle it on a weekend. And then everybody chip in and take a couple cases home. Fair, right? So that was the deal. The Monday I got the phone call. Hey, are you serious? absolutely i'm coming with the truck i'm gonna pick up that barrel and the friend's like uh claire you're gonna need bigger than a truck it's a thousand gallon and i was like whoa 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 i don't have enough friends <laughs> and i was just like can do that you know um and so anyway i just you know i just said no don't find friends claire <laughs> you have a thousand gallons of wine here you Definitely. go. So that's what happened. I created Picayune to go get some friends. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, you know, I then I reached out to, to my, my friend the next day is on the Gmail, you know, at the time when we were doing Gmail, Gmail chat and uh, I see her and I'm, I don't know what went from my mind. I was like, hey, do you want to buy a thousand gallon of Sauvignon with me? And she writes me back and she's like, whoa, it must be really good for you to want to commit like that. <laughs> and I was like, sure, of course it's good. So we went on a hike. Um, her husband 
uh, is the winemaker as well. And um, he was bottling a month later. And so it was 2011. We both had like, you know, our little, we both had a little bit of saving. And when we make the math of everything, it's like for both of us, it's all our saving. And we're like, oh, this is a little scary, you know, but I was in a spot with my consulting where I thought, you know, I'm going to learn so much from that because I'm going to put, you know, I'm I'm going to be able to be in the shoes of those people that I consult to every day. And for her, same thing, it was going to help her understand, you know, like um, she had a different business also in the wine industry. So she, it was also a learning experience. And we thought, you know what? The heck, you know, let's do it. Worst case scenario, we'll drink Sauvignon for a really long time. And so the whole business plan was, let's buy it, let's bottle it and sell it for the cheapest we possibly can without losing any money. And with a cushion that the, the rule was, we can drink as much as we want, no question asked. That was the deal, you guys. <laughs> so, so that's how we started. And it was really like one-time thing uh, had to come up with a name and a name and label in 24 hour because they were bottling a month later and the printer needed 20 days. So uh, Picayune mean, means a little bit and I make, you know, we make only a little bit and this is all French, like all Provencal. Um, and then they were that idea that um, in the US, there used to be a coin in the South that the Spanish brought and that coin was worth half the value of the real. And we were going to sell it half price from the real winery. Uh, we were pulling a little bit on the marketing, but, you know, whatever. We, we thought we were clever for a minute. <laughs> so anyway, um, then for the label, you know, I, I we received like a contract to sign with all the things we couldn't do, the things, you know, like you, we needed to add this and we needed to do that, blah, blah, blah. It was like, we are like, oh my God, we are unlocking some secret stuff in here, James Bond style. So that's why we put the key on the label. <laughs> and the original key had some huge wings on the side. I mean, it was, it was something. <laughs> anyway, so here we go with this. Uh, we bottle 423 or four cases, I think it was. Um, and, um, and then time to go sell it. I'm like, all right. So she came, picked me up, and uh, we were going to show it to the restaurant, you know, the local restaurant and stores. We get in my car and we are all like giddy and like, ah, ha, 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 ha. We are pulling out of my driveway and I look at it. I'm like, you have the sample, right? She's like, oh, no, you do. <laughs> so literally, we were leaving with zero wine <laughs> to go show the wine. So that was pretty funny. So that's how we started. And, you know, to be true to the project, um, it was it was always about like, yeah, making a wine that we stylistically loved and we thought was delivering value. And to this day, I hope it's, you know, that's how that's how I I drive it. And um, I, you know, I, I my goal is to do that for, you know, for the rest of it. <laughs> so, Claire, you said that um, you initially bottled. 400 and some odd cases of Sauvignon Blanc. Uh -huh. um, okay, the joke question is, how much of that did you drink? <laughs> but you don't have to answer. I don't, I don't want to incriminate you. But the serious question is, so what, uh, what 
um, grapes are you growing now and what styles of wine and all that good stuff are you Am now? I doing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to skip on the first question. I'll, I'll just jump in on the second one right away. <laughs> so um, I... You know, to this day, I, uh, my motto is still like, I, you know, I bottle only what I want to drink. Um, I, I am a negociant. So I do two things. Um, number one, I bought out my business partner at the end of 2015. So since I own it on my own, it's a lot different because I have a little bit more, you know, like I can just go wherever I want. Right. Um, so after I bought her out, I, that's when I started buying fruit instead of just juice, you know, um, so, um, probably one of the most interesting varietal I work with is Albarino. It's a tiny vineyard in Russian river Valley. Oh yeah. I got a thumbs up from Leslie. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. So the Albarino is only two acre and it's one of two vineyard planted uh, in Sonoma County with Albarino. Um, so it's really fun to work with. I were, I, I make a rosé, which is, a you know, like I, I harvest it to be rosé. It's not, you know, like I'm, I'm not trying to uh, uh, double use on my grape. Um, so it's, I'm, I'm, it's a very important, like, uh, yeah, it's an important wine for me. And it's from Syrah uh, with a little bit of Grenache in general. Um, I uh, make a Pinot, uh, Pinot Noir from Sonoma Coast. And then I have a couple of red blends. Um, the Sauve Blanc, I am known to from time to time do a Chardonnay, but it's not, you know, like the core of what I do. Um, stylistically, I love, love the intensity of the fruit you get from California. And I never want to lose that. I think it's, you know, it's a treasure. It's a beauty. It's, you know, it's, um, it, it, it's really something special. Uh, however, you know, in the palette, I'm probably not um, as in tune with like the very modern, you know, Napa Valley um, sort of wine style. I'm not as big on extraction. I'm not, you know, I, so in general, I love a very exuberant and, you know, kind of fragrant nose. And then in the palette, I like to kind of like, you know, uh, subdue a little bit and be a little bit more discreet. Um, It goes back to the first thing I say, which goes around your question number one. I am a wine drinker. I never drink just one glass of wine, which means if the wine is huge, drying, super alcoholic, like, you know, I'm going to have a drink and then, you know, I'll be down. So I got to, you know, I got to keep it, I got to keep it reasonable in here. Um, all joke aside, you know, yes, I, I, um, and I don't like, sometimes people try to put me in the box. Oh, she's French. It's a French wine style. Not really. I Because I do love that fruit from California. And I do love those, you know, those intensity uh, and vibrancy of the fruit. But yeah, it's just like the extraction, you know, um, and kind of like a, I'm, I'm sensitive to the alcohol level as well. But mostly, you know, extraction and, and um, yeah. So trying to make balanced wine. So is the Chardonnay Chablis like? No, it's not. It is California Chardonnay. It can't be. It's in California, ma'am. I said. I feel like you cursed at us. You cursed at us, Glennis. You cursed at us. No, I said style. Style. No, it can't even be close. It won't get stainless steel fermented versus Uh, oak. Yeah, so my Chardonnay is not Chablis style. 
and it is not California style neither. Okay. Uh, it's yes. very much its own little animal. Um, it is, um, it is, I, it is fermented like it's a blend number one. So there is one vineyard where I basically there is four barrels that are new oak fermented new, you know, new oak and went through mallow, and then the rest has been fermented in you know used barrel, uh, but no mallow and kind of like I'm trying basically to have you enjoy the Chardonnay with a little bit of oak instead of the oak with a little bit of Chardonnay, you know. So Excellent. it's own, you know, it's its own animal. I think on a blind tasting, you would be able to say it's new world, but you wouldn't necessarily think like, oh my God, this is one of those like, you know, big Napa shard. Gotcha. That sounds delicious. Um, Are really you sourcing great. all of your gate? Oh, I'm sorry. No, you go sorry. ahead. Are you sourcing all of your grapes from Napa Valley or are you pulling it from like Sonoma and other areas? Yes, I am. So the Albarino is from um, Russian River Valley, Sonoma County. Um, the Rosé, it used to be Mendocino, but now it's the Sierra Foothills. And actually, I think, you know, this year for the first time, well, 2021 for the first time was from the Foothills. And um, it was because of the drought. Like my vineyard in Mendocino had no, not enough fruit for me. And so I had to do that big change. I was so scared and it turned out like, I think it's the best rosé I've ever made. So this year I went back and I stick with the Sierra Foothills. Um, the Pinot Noir is Sonoma Coast. Uh, I'm very like, um, you know, for lack of a better word, like I'm opportunistic. Like if I taste something I love, I'm not going to shy away. I'm like, oh yeah, let me grab this. And let's, you know, let's do something special with this. Again, each time the question for me is like, you know, do I love this? Do I want to drink this every day? If the answer is yes, you know, that's good. And then the second question is, can I deliver value? Like, you know, when I bottle this and I offer it out there, you know, do I feel like this is competitive or do I feel like I'm just another very expensive Napa Valley wine out there, you know? Um, so that's the two things. And, you know, ultimately some vintage you know like value is you know like I just took like this year was super tough for the first time in you know 11 years I had to raise the price of my Sauvignon Blanc my Sauvignon Blanc had been $21 retail forever and you know like basically between the cost of the glass like literally increasing like by 50% for the Sauv Blanc like for the Albarino like the glass more than double you know, the, the cost of just the, the, so it's just like, you know, like trying to navigate the water, but I had to increase the price. Um, so yeah, this year I found it harder to talk about value because I feel like I'm getting hit left and right. But, um, overall, you know, people that, um, you know, like my wines in general, it's across the board because my style is very obvious once you start tasting, you know, my wines, um, you know, the Pinot Noir, for example, I I love some you know some of my close Pinot Noir, uh, but I'm on a little bit on the lighter style of things. So again, big nose, but in the palate, it's like it's um it's it's a more like medium medium light body. The cutter is a Pinot Noir cutter, and then you get you hit a lot of savory note, and it's very juicy, you know. And then you get the earthy, the forest floor finish. So instead of like you know color of a Syrah, you know big jammy you know, raspberry and, you know, all that. Um, so yeah, so kind of trying to find that balance in all my wines uh, and make 
make them like wines that you want to have another glass instead of a wine that you're going to have a glass and it it might knock your socks off, but it also going to knock your palate off, you know? So yeah, the padlock, you know, it's my, it's my signature wine. Um, and it's like when I approach it way back then is I had done that first harvest in Saint-Emilion, right bank. So, you know, more Merlot, um, Merlot dominant. So the padlock for the first, uh, 12, 13, 14, 15, for the first four vintage was um, was a Merlot dominant. And then that one year, you know, the best blend was not Merlot dominant. So big, like philosophical debate. What am I supposed to do? What should I do? And then I decided, okay, let's forget about that. Let's just try to make the best possible blend, you know, from Napa and keep it at that, you know, kind of reasonable price. So, yeah. So that's been sort of the angle of, you know, of Picayune. So, so um, a while ago, which is, this is not exactly your situation, but please bear with me. We had a retail um, owner on the show and she had said um, when she selects wines for her wine store, she doesn't, she's not in love with all of the wines, but she takes into consideration different palettes and what people would like. So as a winemaker, are you in love with all of the wines you make? Or do you say, hey, you know, let me think about this particular wine drinker who may like something lighter in body, a little more acidic, which may not be your favorite style of wine, but it's still a good wine. How do you how do you make that decision? It's such a good question, Leslie. Um, I this is my luxury, and uh, you know my luxury is I make picayune. I make so little, and so my luxury is I only make what I love, and I don't you know I don't apologize for it. I I always tell people that come in the tasting room. Like if I have like, it happened like at least once a week, somebody comes in, oh, give me your biggest Cabernet. And I'm like, you know, sir, I'm not sure this is the right place for you because I don't, this is not what I do. This is not what I like to drink. And this is not what I make. I'm happy to give you a splash of my Cabernet. Uh, but, you know, it's just not, it's not what I want to do. And so I, I, you know, it happened here and there that sometimes I'm tasting with people like, you know, some people might be a little surprised by my Pinot. They're like, oh, this is so light. This is why is the color like this? And I said, because this is like the Pinot Noir that I love. I'm totally okay with you not, um, you know, because, because let's think about it. We all grow up eating, drinking different things. And it's like, when we discuss music, if you tell me that you love ACDC and I don't, I'm not going to tell you yak. I'm just going to be like, well, you know, good for you. Well, wine for me is the same. And I don't want to, you know, I just don't want to compromise because if I compromise, then I have to go sell the wine instead of telling story. I love telling story. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to go out there and, and like, you know, if you start making a wine that doesn't feel right then I don't know like how do you talk even about it like you say oh you know I love you know I love to drink Sancerre but let me pour you this fabulous Napa Valley tropical Sauvignon Blanc nah, the money will the that. money the money will make you talk 
Yeah. Exactly. Well, I guess, you know, probably, but I am lucky enough that because I only have those 3000 cases, I am, you know, I'm able to kind of, you know, kind of keep it in a, you know, that's why I don't have very much distribution anymore. You know, I just, I sell mostly in the tasting room, people become club member and it's kind of like our little community, you know, and, um, you know, they spread the word, people find me. And if they love, the, you know, when people love the wine, don't get me wrong. I feel awesome. You know, I'm so excited. <laughs> but when they don't, I am not very upset neither. So, so have you have you had any or have you made any consideration to possibly doing or you might do it already a sparkling wine? I am. So this is another very good question, Glennis. I was considering doing a sparkling wine because I love love champagne, and I was like, okay, let's see what I could do. Yeah, look at you with a little Cremant Bourgogne in there. All right. So I started looking. My Albarino vineyard, um, I had some extra fruit. And I thought, well, maybe I could try to do a sparkling with this Albarino. And I had a friend um, who I knew, yeah, that, that was doing a little bit. And I really liked it. And I thought, well, that sounds like a good idea. I started doing the math on it. Uh, and I was like, oh, boy. I was already like at almost like $70 and I was like, oh, who's going to want to buy this? Like, not me. Okay, if I'm not going to buy it, <laughs> then who? And I thought, you know, at that price point, I'd rather drink champagne. So went back to France and I had started talking about with a lot of different families in champagne about a little partnership. Every year, I take 20 of my club member on a barge trip, different places. Oh, I'm going. I'm yeah. going. Okay, you need to send me the information. What in the world? See, now you done derailed your <laughs> whole conversation with talking about doing trips to Champagne. God. Okay, there I'm sorry. Go. So get that. You know, it started a little bit there. I'm like, oh, man, I just want to drink Champagne. So we started, I started like doing, you know, like a little bit of blending, a little bit of dosage with several family. Anyway, COVID hit. I ended up partnering with Lallier for one vintage and then they sold to Campari. And then, you know, they're like, oh no, we don't deal with you little guys. Uh, we want all the champagne for us. I was like, ah. So I go back to the <laughs> drawing board and I um, started working with a wonderful family. They are located in a little town um, outside of Reims called Louvois. And so I'm, um, I'm making some, uh, I, I have a Blonde Noir that I partner with them on. So voila, there is, yeah, there is a Cuvée Picayune right there. And, wow. and do you, you sell um, that among your wine club? Absolutely. Yeah, ah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I make a dozen wines, guys. So, yeah. Me too. <laughs> what, you said the same thing, Leslie? I mean, no offense to the other two. I'm quite sure that the people. Yeah, I'm the pretty sure they're beautiful, but yes. uh, you know, we'll bring bubbles. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that, Claire, because I was wondering if you were, um, since, you know, going back to your story, and you talked about how you went to Chile and then you ended up in California. And I wondered if you wanted to do anything in France. 
So now that you mentioned that you're partnering with um, Champagne, this is you kind of, is this something that you sought out to just to go back to France or just specifically you wanted a Champagne? I wanted a Champagne. I, you know, I had talked one of the other harvests I I did, um, like originally I did with a a wonderful um, winemaker and uh, we always talked about doing some rosé together. Um, unfortunately he had a very tragic acid accident. So that, you know, kind of phased out. Um, and then, you know, I kind of like, I, for me, it was more doing it with, you know, with a friend and doing something fun. And it's all about wine, right? It's sort of those connection and those moments share. And so then it got out of my brain. And then I started thinking about it because of champagne, because in the world of sparkling, there is nothing but I, you know, if I have to choose what I want to drink, I just want champagne. And I was like, you know, why am I trying to compromise? I don't with the rest of what I do. Just, you know, kind of be creative. Um, you know, on that note, when I think of like, you know, future development, I have um, one of my closest friends is in Chile and she's a winemaker. And so I think it's probably the next step, you know, going and working with her on the blend. Um and uh, yeah, and bringing that in, we'll see. Cool. I have to say, I really like your approach to winemaking and um, your promotion and things like that, because you do it because you love it and you only produce what you really enjoy. And you're not necessarily thinking of the business of it. I mean, of course you want to sell your wines, Absolutely. but you create the things that you want to create. And of course, people will want to buy into that because they want to buy into you. So I like that you brought that because that is very French. I like that you brought that to California and then (laughs) the wines that you. Thank you, Tanisha. You know, I think when you're true to who you are and what you do, like people can hear it, feel it. You know, just my staff, we are a small team. You know, my, I, I hear them and I'm like, yay, you know, they get it. They, you know, I. Whenever I'm blending this morning, I finalized the blend of my rosé, you know, like I came back, they're like, so, so, you know, like they're excited, they know. Um, And I, you know, I love that. And I don't want to lose that. And I think that anybody that step in my tasting room, which is super unusual and and different because it's also a mercantile and it's so eclectic and it's all the things I love that tells my story. And it, yeah, well, you know, I love Native American art and I love, you know, I love all kinds of things that have nothing to do with each other, but it's all my universe and people can see that it comes from here and it's, you know, it's genuine and my stuff breathes it too. And so I think it, it, it connects with people and in general, people are more interested to be you know, related to this than just like a bigger machine. And I guess there's one thing I didn't, you know, I think Leslie, you asked me the question about, you know, like one, like thinking about making wine for, for the taste of people. Well, here's the other thing I want to say. I think that I see just for myself, my palate has evolved so much. And I think, you know, trying to make wine thinking that you know what they want is kind of like, it's almost condescending. Like, you know, they don't, like we are all learning and discovering more things. So until 
you know, you discover that style. How do you know you don't like it? You know, I think people saying like, oh, they just want like big, you know, extracted, rich. And, and it's like, really? Well, or is it that they cannot afford the other style of wines made, you know? So I don't know. We can, you know, we can debate that. But so that's why I think there is all those different things going through my mind. Remarkably said. Thank you for that. We, we've been talking about um, evolving palettes for the past uh, few episodes. So it's really interesting that you brought that up. Leslie, you about to say something? No, I just, I would, I 100% agree. I have fallen victim to people saying, oh, you can do this. Oh, can you do this? Can you do that? Right. Chasing the money. And I am the most miserable when I do that. So I no longer do it. Like if I have a genuine interest in maybe learning about something different and expanding in that direction, then I will do it. But I no longer allow people to talk me into doing something because I'm just chasing the dollar. Yeah. Et voila. Good idea. I love it. So we have a few closeout questions um, and they're all about Thanksgiving. So we're just going to do three. (laughs) We're going to do three. Okay. What wine are you bringing to Thanksgiving dinner? And let's start with Claire. So I'll give you one one yes. Um, uh, Sparkling, you know, sparkling. Gotta do sparkling. Um, Sparkling, and this year I'm probably, I have like a older red blend that I just had a magnum for the birthday of a friend and it was showing so nicely. I was like, okay, maybe sparkling and and my Rive Gauche 2015. (laughs) But yeah, sparkling all the way. What's the address? (laughs) (laughs) Right, so you said four o'clock is when we're serving dinner? Okay. (laughs) What about you guys? Tanisha, I'm curious about you. Are you going to a Friendsgiving and what are you bringing? I probably am. Um, I will probably decide that next Wednesday though. Um, it's going to be very last minute and um, I'll then grab something and take it over. It will probably be a red from the Rome. You know, I am simple sometimes. I'm jealous. Glennis, what about you? So jealous of all of you. I got to go to this state in the South, not going to name it, that one half of my parental unit's family. But it's going to be good food because it's the South. Uh, uh, wait a minute. Oh, you know, Glennis don't they, eat anything. It's with the V, it is with the A. They are so <laughs> religious. Oh, they no really way. don't drink. So I would probably be sitting there chug-a-lugging my own sparkling that I have to buy down there, which I probably couldn't find anything. So I wouldn't buy it. Or I would have to You're not going to take anything with you in like a little water bottle? Then I would be the heathen. And I don't want to go through that. I don't want to go through that. Girl, you better disguise it in like a scope bottle, an old Listerine (laughs) bottle. (laughs) You you, you better embrace the barefoot sparkling. Sparkling. Oh, girl. Now, you know, that would have been doused in Dr. Pepper because I couldn't stomach that. Wow. So I really don't want to go, but my 
mother wants me to have she anyway. I'm not gonna be the Debbie Downer. I'm gonna drink all my Vermont and stuff before I go so I can get my mind right. But I probably will not I probably have sweet tea. Okay. Oh, all right. Leslie, what are you gonna bring from your wine club? To be honest with you, I'm not sure if I'm doing Thanksgiving dinner. Ah, okay. I know that's right. I'm like really embracing the fact of being in my pajamas all day long and sitting on the sofa and watching the Thanksgiving parade. So whatever is open or near me, that there will be something in the glass. I just don't know what it is yet. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all. So uh, for me, Steph, it's, it's what you cooking. Yeah, Serena, what you cooking? Well, actually, <laughs> you know she's gonna start cooking like tomorrow. Whatever. Right. <laughs> It'll be something you know, real fancy. No, I check actually, her Instagram tomorrow. She finna start smoking something and right. It's, I'm really what, it's like, what, what duck? Tomorrow. What duck fat that you gonna be cooking? <laughs> exactly. Right. She gonna render her own duck fat. She probably about to go find a chicken. I mean, and go turkey hunting this weekend. And I really I hate, hate y'all. You know she's going truffle hunting. Stuff. I really right. hate y'all, all of you. Um, actually, <laughs> we're we are keeping it low key this Thanksgiving. Um, we're going to take food over my grandmother's house and keep it very basic. Um, but I think I'm just going to take two cremants, maybe a rosé and um a brute, and just keep it very simple. My mom, she doesn't really like rosés, which is you know. That's different, but I'll get the rosé for me and the brute for her. So that's what I'll Yum. do. I love I that live. that's simple for you. Just a couple cremants and a yeah. brute and a rosé. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. simple. Um, yeah. I just yeah. want to, <laughs> wait, I just want to say that I use my Coravin to um have this Albarino and I made curry chicken. I've never paired um any uh, Albarino with anything spicy, but I was like, oh, I'm making curry chicken. Well, why do I have? I was like, oh, I have to taste this because we record in a few days. I'll just do that. I did not think they were going to pair together, but then I went to the site and I read the tasting notes and they were like, oh, spicy. I was like, oh, this is perfect. So it was superb, superb awesome. with spicy. Yeah. So you made your own curry sauce and stuff. I got curry powder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. marinated the chicken for how long so it was, actually it was, wasn't curry chicken it was curry turkey curry turkey mm -hmm. in preparation for thanksgiving okay that's okay up. everybody <laughs> knows that i get this smoked turkey from costco that is so good and yeah, i've been eating it. on it yeah, mm -hmm. don't do that don't do that anyway okay <laughs> um okay your favorite leftover me after thanksgiving yes I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest with all of you guys. I am uh -oh. not a Thanksgiving person. Got you. Because I'm not big on turkey. Don't really like pumpkin pie. Like the cranberry thing sounds really weird. You're talking to a French, right? Let's keep it real here. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna let it slide because you're French, so Claire. Otherwise, me, we have to mute your the microphone. Best leftover of Thanksgiving is zero leftover. <laughs> not one thing. You don't even like the yams. You know, actually, I do like the yams. And then um, the sweet potato gratin. Okay. Yeah. okay. Okay. I have a friend right. that did that. Is it not very Thanksgiving-y? It is. No, it is. fancy. Okay. 
See, I like that. <laughs> I am not, you know, Thanksgiving is not my holiday. I'm much okay. more of a Christmas girl. Okay. That's you fair. Know, like the duck and the goose and the whole, okay. you know, like. That makes yeah. sense. All right. Glennis, Leslie, Tanisha, what about y'all? Favorite leftovers? Mac and cheese and collard greens with some yeah. cornbread. That's, Love it. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's a nice combination there. I don't, yeah, I don't find those things here. So. No, um, <laughs> I'm like I guess sweet yes. potatoes and stuffing. Like those are the only things that I can like really recreate here. Yeah. And by I, I mean somebody else who I trust to cook. <laughs> yeah, I like mashed potato. I have to say I do like mashed potato. Mashed potatoes, would, yeah, yeah. I will do the um, I will do the cornbread dressing. Like that's okay. Something. Even if I am anti Thanksgiving this year, I will fix a cornbread dressing. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, for me, it's the yams. Um, it's the yams. And I like when the yam juice gets on the turkey, it's like a thing. So, yeah, the sweet and the savory. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's a thing. My thing. I think when it's just our face up because her foods can't touch. (laughs) No. (laughs) That's that's fine. That I would be able to tolerate. Okay. <laughs> okay. One more, and we'll wrap it up. What dessert are you eating? Just a bite of, eat, no matter how full you are, you have to have a taste of it for Thanksgiving or in pie. life. Oh well, you can tell me in life. Oh, sweet potato pie for me, since we on Thanksgiving. I would have pecan pie. Oh, I'll go from my 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 mama's mousse au chocolat. The mother's Same, making Claire, chocolate mousse. Your mother's mousse au chocolat, not even just regular, oh, just the mm. one from your mom. Yes. Lord. I we going to visit her again, Claire? <laughs> <laughs> like, are you, are you making that? Trap. You making you making that for Christmas? Are <laughs> you checking that wedding? Because um, <laughs> mm. even if we do do Thanksgiving here. We still have French desserts. Like we mm. won't have uh, American desserts. There are places that will do. They like like it's a place now. It's like oh, we're selling pumpkin and sweet potato pies, but like just sell them for like thirty five euro. Mm. Like girl, no. Mm. Yeah, that's not how much pie costs. So <laughs> we will have yeah. mousse au chocolat, tarte de citron, pâté blessed. Like we'll have those. But yeah, I will always have room for mousse au chocolat. Mm. For me, it's it's hot apple pie a la mode. No matter how full I am, I gotta have a piece of it. Are you making any fruit thing? Hot fruit. I don't. Oh, I'm not a baker. I don't do pies. That's that's where my (laughs) my line's drawn. I don't even. I don't even try. (laughs) We're not even gonna do that. Wegmans Wegmans and Harris Teeter here have the best pies. You know what? I will make. I I take that. I will make. A peach cobbler once a oh, year. Oh well, Ooh, now we're talking. Yeah, mm-hmm. I will make a cobbler. Claire, <laughs> <laughs> yes. You please tell everybody. Please tell everybody where they can follow you. Oh yes. Um. So you can follow me on well on Instagram hashtag Picayune Sellers. Uh, same thing with Facebook hashtag Picayune Sellers. I'm not really active on Twitter, so let's skip that one. Um, then you can go on my website, which is uh, Picayune, uh, P-I-C-A-Y-U-N-E, sellers, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. And then in there, you can discover my crazy world, the wines, the mercantile, um, 
the trips are not updated. Uh, we are going to Croatia next year. Um, but yeah, you all, I, at least you can see a few, a little bit of the information. And then hopefully that would be a treat. You guys need to come visit in Calistoga <laughs> because you're so much we absolutely fun. can. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we can make that happen. Well, thank you so much, ladies. It was yeah. so much fun. I love it. Yes, thank you for joining thank us. You, this was great. Thank you, Claire. Awesome. Thank you. It was a pleasure thank meeting you. Thanks for joining this world suite. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave us five stars, and leave us a comment. We love ratings. Also, be sure to follow all of us on social media. Myself at Buy Me Up, Glennis at Vino Noir, Girl Meets Glass is Tanisha, Vino301 is Leslie, and you can follow the Swirl Suite podcast account at Swirl Suite. The Swirl Suite is now a part of the Alive Podcast Network. This episode has been edited and produced by Vime Up Media.